It's been so long. It has been so long. What have you been up to? Did you go to court? No. (laughs) You want to know how mad I am about it? I got an email the Friday before after I had finished telling everybody how excited I was. I got an email that said, you are excused from service. Why? I cried. They didn't tell me why. I wrote them back and I said, I'm really, really sad about this. They haven't responded, which I'm kind of sad about, but. Yeah, but you made somebody's day because they don't normally have people who are very excited about doing during duty. Welcome to Talk Talk Vote. Hey, Anne, it's great to see you. Hi, Rachel. You know, I was wondering, what is free speech? That's a great question. Freedom of speech is an abstract concept. It supports people's ability to express information, ideas, and opinions without government restrictions based on content. So how we use it in the United States is defined in the First Amendment. Ooh, can I read the First Amendment? Amendment 1. Freedom of religion, speech, and the press, rights of assembly, and petition. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Ooh, there's a lot there. There is a lot there. And what we are focusing on is the bit that says Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. And this First Amendment from the Bill of Rights, it applies to all branches of government, federal, state, and local, including legislatures, courts, juries, executive officials, public employees, public school systems, anything that is government related. What we're going to talk about next is what government can restrict. There are a very few narrow categories of speech that can be restricted, and these were set out in various Supreme Court cases. These are incitement, defamation, fraud, obscenity, child pornography, fighting words, and threats. Okay, so I understand most of those words, but can you define some of them? Like incitement, I'm not sure that that I know what incitement means. Absolutely. So incitement means speech that is directed at producing or inciting imminent lawless action. An example of this is if you're giving a speech outside of a building and you tell the crowd of people that you are talking to to attack a nearby building. That is incitement. The government can also restrict the time, place, or manner of speech, as long as those restrictions don't have anything to do with what you're talking about, and it leaves plenty of alternative ways for you to express your views. So an example of that is the government can restrict the use of loudspeakers in residential areas at night. Um, they can. I, I live across the street from a park, so that one is really important to me. Yeah, it can be very disruptive. Babies are sleeping. Yeah. I am sleeping. I am sleeping. Or (laughs) recording a podcast. They can also limit all demonstrations that block traffic 
or ban picketing of people's homes. And an interesting thing to note is that there is no restriction on so-called hate speech. So if you have a racist threat, that is not protected by the First Amendment because it's a threat, but not because it's racist. Similarly, personally addressed racist insults could be considered fighting words and punishable because they are fighting words, but not because they are racist. Um, speech can't be specially punished because it's racist, sexist, anti-gay, or hostile to a religion. So that is what the government can restrict, which is very narrow and pretty well defined. Private companies, on the other hand, are not bound by the First Amendment because the First Amendment applies only to government-imposed restrictions. So as a result, if a private employer fires an employee because of what they say, there's no First Amendment violation. Same thing if a private university expels a student for what a student says, or if a commercial landlord restricts what types of things can be sold on the property it owns, things like that. And there is no inherent problem in the Constitution with that. However, legislatures, both federally, state level, and locally, sometimes enact laws that protect people from retaliation by private organizations. But it's important to note that those are imposed by legislative choice rather than by the First Amendment. So all the hubbub about Twitter restricting speech and people hollering about the First Amendment, they're just wrong about that because the First Amendment doesn't protect your speech on Twitter. They are certainly invoking the wrong protections because you're absolutely correct. The First Amendment does not protect your freedom of speech on Twitter because Twitter is a private company. Whatever local jurisdiction Twitter is considered to be in could have some legislative authority over it. But but None of it is free, First Amendment. But not First Amendment. Yeah. Correct. And it's important to note, too, that these restrictions and protections also vary by state. So there's a very interesting article that goes into why some businesses can deny you service and others can't. A lot of these are cases that we have heard of before. So, for example, in New York City, there was someone who was kicked out of a bar for wearing a certain political slogan. That person sued, but... The judge cited in favor of the bar because while New York has public laws that make it illegal to discriminate against people for religion, marital status, age, disability, gender identity, and race, political affiliation and what you're wearing is not on that list of protected identities. So when you see some place that says no shirt, no shoes, no service, that's totally illegal. Okay, so when we talk about the First Amendment, we often talk about free speech, but are there some circumstances where behavior and some things that are not strictly speaking speech are covered by the First Amendment? Yes, absolutely. There's a case that you might know, Citizens United, where the Supreme Court decided that a company was allowed to exercise its free speech, freedom of expression, by donating money to political campaigns. Hmm. There was a fun court case. It didn't go all the way to the Supreme Court. It just got to the Southern District of New York in 1933. Really, it's just the name of the, of the court case that's exciting. United States versus one book called Ulysses. <laughs> and that court case decided that obscene content in a literary work is protected if the purpose of the work as a whole 
is not to titillate or excite the reader sexually. Okay, so I have a little anecdote to tell you about Ulysses. My husband tried to read that book to our in utero child while I was about four months pregnant. And I listened to maybe a week of him reading that damn book before I said, absolutely not. No more. No, no more. It's a terrible book. Yeah. So to sum it all up, free speech is what is protected from government restrictions. But you can't call on the First Amendment to protect your freedom of speech if a private company is restricting your freedom of expression within the laws of its locality, state, nation. Well, thanks, Rachel. Now I know. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Would you like to hear some trivia? I would love to hear some trivia. So, Rachel, we were talking about free speech, and there are lots of ways that people express free speech, and they're allowed to do so because of the First Amendment. One of the ways that people express their thoughts and their ideas is through protest songs. There are lots of protest songs that we know about, like Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday, which is a hauntingly beautiful song about lynching. The strange fruit refers to the lynched, mostly oh. men, uh, hanging from the trees. It's a heart-wrenching song that you might give a listen to. There's mm. also War by Edwin Starr, which lots of people know because it's the one that goes, War! There's also Give Peace a Chance by the Plastic Ono Band, officially. Of course, John Lennon is who we think of. But there's some protest songs that I suspect some people don't realize are protest songs. For example, did you know This Land is Your Land by Woody Guthrie? Did you sing that when you were a kid? Of course. Yeah, we uh, we all do, right? So This Land is Your Land was a protest song. You know, it gets played all the time as a patriotic song, but yeah. he actually meant it as a protest song. Was it like pro-indigenous rights kind of left-wing political share with the people kind of thing uh woody guthrie's original 1940 draft carried a couple of messages the first one was and i'm going to quote from the song there was a big high wall there that tried to stop me the sign was painted said private property but on the back side it didn't say nothing this land was made for you and me so that's one verse that we that gets left out a lot. And the second one reads, quote, one bright sunny morning in the shadow of the steeple by the relief office, I saw my people as they stood there hungry. I stood there wondering if God blessed America for me. That's so interesting. Yeah. Pretty strong words. Yeah. yeah. Pretty strong protest. There's another one that you might not have thought of as a protest song. Born in the USA by bruce springsteen that's always played at like fourth of july and yeah, all sorts yeah. of other patriotic things it has been kind of co-opted by the the uh, flag waving crowd yeah but it's actually written from the perspective of a vietnam war veteran it's actually a protest of the poor treatment of the soldiers who fought that war and survived and came back home and then there's one that you, I'm sure you knew was a protest song, but I wanted to mention anyway, called I Am Woman by Helen Reddy. 
Do you not know that song? Not by the title or the. I am woman. Hear me roar in numbers too big to ignore. No, I've heard the just like the phrase "I am woman, hear me roar," but I had no idea that was a song. Well, you have an assignment to go <laughs> look up "I Am Woman" by Helen Reddy. Yeah, because it was first. Well, it wasn't first played. It's actually from 1972, but it was played at a now National Organization for Women mm-hmm. gala in 1973, and the room went absolutely nuts. Okay, and then I went a little bit further and I found other protest songs that I'd never heard of that I think you should check out. One of them is from the 70s or 80s, but it's a punk band from England called the X-Ray Specs. The lead singer was Polystyrene, and I've heard of Polystyrene, but I assumed she was one of Andy Warhol's gang of merry mischief makers. I didn't really know anything about her. When I was researching this, I came upon this song called Oh Bondage, Up Yours. It's punk, and it has some of the worst saxophone playing I've ever heard, but I think intentionally bad. But this woman could sing. She could sing and the band could kind of play their instruments, which is unusual for punk bands. And (laughs) she starts out the song by saying, actually, let me look up what she says, because it's worth it's worth looking up. Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. But I think and then she screams, oh, bondage up yours. And the song starts with just blazing guitar. It's awesome it is absolutely awesome and then another one that i recommend is a song called transgender dysphoria blues by against me this song is a pretty raw emotional no holds barred song about what it's like to be transgender in america very cool yeah so two protest songs you may not have heard that i recommend all right all right. And that's it for my uh, First Amendment freedom of speech narrowed down to protest songs <laughs> trivia. Thank you so much, Anne. You're welcome. So, Rachel, what's today's Five for Democracy? Today's Five for Democracy is to find a petition online and sign it. Exercise your free speech rights by signing a petition. Ooh, I've heard of change.org. Yes, change.org is the biggest platform that exists right now for online petitions. And there are petitions for a huge variety of issues. So you can go online, find an issue that you care about, and you'll be able to find a specific petition that relates to that. And you can sign that petition. And it's an aggregate of voices that makes the most difference. Yeah, the more we come together and put our voices together, the louder we are and the easier it is for us to be heard. Okay, so I hear people say, though, that we don't make a difference. Stuff like that doesn't make a difference. And why should I bother? Because it gets ignored. Nobody pays attention anyway. What do we say to that? We say, I hear where you're coming from, but actually, that's not true. Let me give you a couple examples of where petitions, online petitions, have actually had a real-life impact. One is for the PACT Act, which is the 
Preventing Animal Cruelty and Torture Act. It makes animal cruelty a federal felony, which it wasn't before. And the PACT Act had come incredibly close to passing in 2017, but it got stalled out. And so as the result of a student in Maryland starting an online petition that drummed up interest again and brought the spotlight back onto the PACT Act. Yeah, I heard like almost 800,000 people sign that petition. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. A couple of other examples are the ban on gay Boy Scouts was overturned in part due to pressure that was brought from a petition that was started on change.org. And another one is that the beef industry stopped using pink slime. Also, a petition helped bring the Mexican pizza back to Taco Bell. So change can be made on a national level, on a local Taco Bell franchise level. Is is Taco Bell franchise? I think that was a national level. I mean, what if, well, I mean, think about it. If we had Mexican pizza in Kansas City and they didn't get to have Mexican pizza in, you know, Boston, I mean, that might tear our country apart. The Mexican pizza wars of the 2020s. So divisive. But yeah, those are examples of ways in which petitions have actually changed policy, either for the government or a national fast food chain, and affect our lives today. So take five for democracy and go to change.org. This episode of Talk Talk Vote was hosted by Ann Calvert and me, Rachel Thompson. Music by Hanging Chad Studios. Talk Talk Vote is a production of ARG Media. Thanks for listening and talk, talk to you later.